Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everybody who supports independent tech news directly. If you're not already, become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, November 28th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And back at Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And uh, I'm Roger with the eight. <laughs> and uh, producer of the show. What What are you trying to say? I, don't... I, 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 I made a boo-boo. And and I nobody accept, would have I, known. You would have never had to say anything about it. It would have been I, totally fine. I just need to, 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 to rip it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, joining us today, uh, sometime, uh, sometimes uh, the person in Roger's seat, our associate producer, Anthony Lemos, a.k.a. Amos, uh, joining us as a guest today. How's it going, Amos? I'm doing well. Uh, this has been, uh, been a long time coming. I'm proud to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had an idea from one of our listeners to talk about the tech that, that uh, folks in the military use to keep in touch with their families back home. And, and Anthony, how long have you been in the service? Um, creeping up on my 24th year. Okay. So we're, we're going to get a, a kind of a through the years view of how it's changed, uh, and, and where it is now, uh, in a little bit, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. That would be me. <laughs> Repent. Google has added fast pair Bluetooth device syncing for accessories to Android and promised it'll arrive for Chromebooks in 2019. Fast pair automatically pairs accessories to any device logged into your Google account, meaning your headphones can automatically be paired to your new phone. Nintendo reported Wednesday that U.S. customers spent $250 million on Nintendo products between Thursday and Monday last week. Lifetime sales of the Nintendo Switch in the United States rose 8.2 million as a result. Rose to 8.2 million. Adobe Analytics reports that the Switch was one of the top-selling products across all categories for the weekend. During a hearing yesterday, New Hampshire Senator Maggie Hassan said she believed it was time to investigate loot boxes. She asked FTC Chairman Joseph Simmons if he would, quote, commit to undertaking this project and keeping this committee informed about it. Simmons said yes. <laughs> I love how all the headlines are like, FTC announces investigation into loot boxes. And the only thing the guy said was yes. 
I will keep you informed. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about Project Fi, which is no longer called Project Fi. Google has changed the name of the cellular service to Google Fi. That's still Fi. The service used to only let you activate a SIM on a select number of phones that supported Fi's multi-carrier feature. Uh, Project Fi would run on T-Mobile, Sprint, and U.S. Cellular, as well as provide a VPN for you if you wanted it, uh, over uh, some software that Google had that worked on the Google phones, it worked on the Motorola phones, and a few other phones that you could buy. But you couldn't activate it on anything else except those phones. However, if you activated it on that phone, you could take the SIM card out and put it in another phone. It's just that you would only get T-Mobile at that point. It wouldn't be able to take advantage of the multi-carrier. Well, now, Google Fi will let you activate on most Android phones and iPhones, However, there's still that issue of you're only going to use T-Mobile. You're not going to get the multicellular service. You're not going to get the VPN service. Uh, but everything else is there. The low rate, uh, the, the, the rollover minutes, uh, the ability to roam without any extra charge. You just get charged your minutes no matter where you are in the world. And in fact, they're, they're doing some sales uh, to kind of help you with this. Uh, they'll, they'll refund the price of a device you buy if you're going to use it for Google Fi with a travel card, either I think it's either a flight on Delta or some Airbnb credits or something like that to kind of promote the fact that they've got a really good roaming plan. Uh, but I think this will make Project Fi a little more attractive to people. Well, it's called Google Fi now, Tom. I'm sorry, Google Fi. Gosh, I'm going to keep doing that for a while, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Google Fi makes more sense branding wise. Project kind of sounds like we're just trying something out. It's a little tinkering project that we're doing. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, the company sounds like it's uh, serious about getting this out to more folks. Yeah, and uh, W. Scott is one is saying like, so basically they're announcing a feature I could already do by working around. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're basically saying we'll support that now, uh, but you won't have to do the little dance where you go try to find a phone to activate your SIM on before you move it, which that's going to let a lot more people try this out. Anthony, have you ever used Google Fi? I have not, but this is very interesting to me because a lot of people are overseas and, and would love to have something like this, uh, you know, military-wise. Uh, you, you get stuck with these crazy contracts and things like that when you go overseas and try to get a phone. And um, a lot of times, something just as simple as this that you'd be able to use on both sides of the ocean would be really helpful. So this is uh, interesting to me. In, in that yeah, just uh, and, and it's it's pretty easy to sign up for. I signed up for it uh, when I had a Nexus 5X. I just had them send me a SIM card. You pop it in, uh, you launch an app, and you activate. So I, I suppose you'll just have to get an app from the Android store or the iOS store now uh, to, to do it. Um, there may be a different way of activating. I haven't figured that part out yet. Uh, but the SIM card will work. So there you go. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that YouTube is planning to scale back original scripted programming starting in 2020. YouTube's Robert Kinkle says the company is shifting towards free viewing of originals. YouTube is also testing plans where premium subscribers get episodes early or with extended cuts. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's clear that YouTube realizes the perception of them no matter the reality, uh, you know, the Karate Kid spinoff uh, is great. People love it. But the perception is I don't want to pay YouTube for original content. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll rent a movie from YouTube. Maybe I'll pay for YouTube TV service. I don't want to pay them for things to watch on YouTube. It just doesn't feel right to people. So this seems like a pretty smart move. I wonder what the uh, what the user base of, of YouTube bread is these days. Or premium because this, this seems to be, I guess, Apple aside, even though 
technically Apple is still rumored to be launching a bunch of original programs, but this seems to be a trend. Um, cutting back on stuff that is more expensive for the company, uh, with with perhaps diminishing returns as far as as far as getting new users and and having folks uh, be paying the money back. Facebook is another company that comes to mind, but uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, people people think of YouTube as this is where I watch stuff for free. And that doesn't mean they can't have originals. Uh, it doesn't even mean they have to get rid of YouTube premium. I mean, talking about uh, premium oh, as, yeah. as sort of a <laughs> formerly YouTube red. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and, and talking about premium as sort of a way to give you bonuses, right? Rather than a subscription service. I think that fits more into the YouTube ethos of like, yes, I can watch it for free. I will pay for extra things if if those things are there. You see some major YouTube channels that will do that. Like they'll do early releases or maybe some some special bonus videos for their super fans that want to subscribe to a channel. But all of those channels still put out their main video for free ad supported. Mm-hmm. What excites me about this is that you know YouTube just recently started joining this whole TV craze and trying to get this original programming, things like that going on. But now they're they're shifting their focus pretty early in the process, and that really shows that it's it's malleable, it's it's changeable, mm. and they're recognizing that it's not uh, they're not set in their ways so much that they're not willing to change the direction as as they see the market change. And overall, this market is maturing. Uh, this is an example of the shakeout where it says mm, maybe another subscription service is not going to work for us. We'll leave that to Netflix, Hulu, and 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 Prime Video. Uh, you're seeing the same thing with Warner, where uh, yes, it has to do with the fact that AT&T bought them. But when you step back from that, here's another example of a company shutting down some streaming services because for whatever reason, they they just can't compete as well with services. So the complaints about there's too many of these services, I've always said when the market matures, you'll that'll become less of a problem. And here's another example of that. LG announced that Brian Kwan, head of the profitable TV, audio, and PC segment of LG, has taken over as LG's uh, head of the less profitable division of mobile phones, or at least he will take over starting December 1st. Quan will remain head of LG's home entertainment business. He's not leaving that business that he has turned uh, into a very profitable business. He's just going to take over the mobile phone business as well. LG's current mobile head, Huang Zhanghuan, will lead the company's Convergence Business Development Office, and LG's president and CFO, David Young, will take on more day-to-day responsibilities while the CEO, Joe Sung-jin, focuses more on strategy and planning for the future. These feel like parallel moves here. David mm-hmm. Jung and Brian Kwan being pushed forward, saying, you guys are doing great, whereas Joe Sung-jin and uh, Huang Zhang-hwan being moved into a strategy position, which I can't tell if that's just sidelining them or if it's like, well, you guys are really good at future stuff. You're just not good with the actual execution of things day to day. Especially when you have something called the Convergence Business Development Office. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like one of the most meaningless titles. I'm sure it's very important. I'm sure it means something to LG, but it's not very clearly apparent from the name what that could mean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if Brian Kwan is is anytime an executive is 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 doing great in in some areas of a business and 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 is thrown one that that is flailing, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, it's because the company wants it to succeed. 
Yeah, they want to turn that around. They're, well, and that's that's a good thing. I think a lot of people thought maybe LG should just give up on mobile uh, and get out of the phone business, even though they make really good phones. A lot of people have felt the same thing about HTC. They're, they're like, like, look, you can't compete with Xiaomi and Huawei and ZTE. You might as well just fold up because it's either Samsung and the iPhone or these these mid-tier companies that are that are eating up the middle and you can't compete and lg saying no i think we can uh we just need to put the right person in charge it'll be interesting to watch and see what lg comes out with well we might get our first look i mean it's pretty early in his reign but LG's going to have a big press conference at ces on you know that monday at ces it'll be interesting to see what the messaging is even if it's too early for any products to re- really be impacted by Quan. Instagram announced new features for visually impaired people, allowing screen reader software to describe photos by reading custom descriptions that are added by users who upload photos. Now, if a user doesn't add a description themselves, Instagram will attempt to describe what's in a photo using AI and then read it auto- uh, its automated description of a photo out loud when the photo is scrolling by. Users will have to go into a photo's advanced settings to add one manually. So this is, it's, you know, it's, it's certainly an extra step but if you've got visually impaired folks who are following you uh it is uh really cool that the company is is allowing this and facebook's been doing this for some time too yeah that's true facebook has been ahead of instagram on this and this is uh this is fantastic if you need that kind of accessibility i don't i'll be curious i know we have uh, visually impaired people in the audience so if you try this out and you can tell which ones are the ai descriptions uh let us know how good they are uh i'd be i'd be curious if you can't tell i mean i think that would that would tell you something right there uh but i'm very curious to know how good this ai reading of it because that's significant I'm a little yeah. frustrated with Instagram burying the the alternative text in the advanced settings. A lot of people right. don't even know there are advanced settings in Instagram. It's almost grayed out at the bottom of the of the post screen where you pick your options. Uh, so not a lot of people are going to do this. Sadly, I wish they would make that more prominent and say, "Hey, you you might want to describe this for people uh, who who can't see it." But that get that said, maybe these AI descriptions end up being pretty good. Yeah, I, 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 I would be curious. Um, I don't know if any of you have used screen reader software. I have not personally, but I, I have a mind to try it out just to see what, what stuff I get back. But yeah, anybody in the audience, uh, feedback at Daily Tech News Show. Yeah, Amos, have you ever run into any, any, any friends or anybody who's needed this sort of thing? This is actually one of those things that you know Instagram's such a visual medium that I would never, me personally, never considered using it for visually impaired people. Like, how do you adapt that? And to see that they're using AI to, to do that when the people, the setting that they hide isn't being used, it, it, it actually gives me a little bit of hope for AI. So this yeah. is very, you know, one step further away than I thought it was. I mean, if you compare it to Facebook and, and how good it has gotten at uh, detecting faces <laughs> of all of us um, or friends or suggesting, oh, do you want to tag this person? And it's a pretty usually right I, I I I'd love to know. It's like, is this is this a picture of Sarah Lane or is it more of like this is a picture of a woman in a chair? Yeah. Where wearing a feather shirt or, or it's you know. it's uh yeah, I I'm really curious. This is a cloud in the sky. Like no. Yeah. Not <laughs> possibly flattering, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I'm curious about that too. And yeah, uh if 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 folks like are like Amos and hadn't really thought of visually impaired people using Instagram because it's pictures folks don't want to be left out of the conversation, right? If if Instagram is, is where folks are, are trading information and talking about things and commenting with each other, you want to be part of that. 
even if the picture is described to you, that that's still a, a good experience in a lot of cases and, and yeah. makes you feel part of it. Instagram has over a billion users. There are going to be quite a few visually impaired folks that can take advantage of this. Yeah. So good on you. AWS Ground Station has launched. Uh, AWS, of course, Amazon Web Services, having a big uh, conference right now with lots of enterprisey stuff. Uh, you can check out uh, some good resources out there like ZDNet uh, to find out what's going on there. But one that caught our eye to talk about on DTNS is the AWS Ground Station, which is meant to make it easier for satellites to send data back to Earth. AWS CEO Andy Jassy says it's the first fully managed ground station as a service, moving data from satellites into AWS data centers. So customers will pay per minute of downlink time. AWS has two stations that'll be ready to go this week. They hope to have 12 operational by the middle of next year. And the idea would be you don't have to set up expensive downlinks you just point your satellite at aws and then you you have an aws instance where your data is is securely shared with you and your data goes from above the clouds into the cloud into your place of business aws is also partnering with lockheed martin on a network of low-cost ground-based antennas to help capture that satellite data and move it into the network as well well, the other day we Space. sort of wondered aloud if Space. there was anything Amazon wouldn't get into, and I think the answer is no. <laughs> Allison Sheridan uh, was joking with me on text message. She's like, so now you can send your, your satellites full of Amazon Basics things into the cloud <laughs> or in, into orbit and, and start sharing your data over your Amazon Web Service in, instance. Uh, this this is crazy, though, right? The it it It's the natural outgrowth of hey, we're a cloud service. Uh, what else needs to share data that's really hard that we can make easier? And then that's what AWS is doing here. This really brought to my mind how much we're still using satellites because I still have that stigma in my mind that satellite communication is so slow and, and so um, unreliable because of weather and this and that. But then if Amazon's getting into it to have these ground stations set up and, and partnering with Lockheed Martin and things like that, then there's probably a lot more satellite information out there than, than I'm aware of. And that's and a lot I, more satellites going up uh, for experimental reasons, uh, you know, not just communication, but also for 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 other sorts of tests, uh, CubeSats, stuff like that. So this could this could actually revolutionize satellite activity by helping make it easier to to use. As much as CubeSats have revolutionized the ability to send something into orbit for cheap, this this could make it cheaper to keep in contact with it. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet 
strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. So, back around Veterans Day, Big Jim, host of Tech and Trade and a long-running DTNS patron, uh, suggested that we talk about how soldiers use tech overseas to stay connected at home. Uh, Anthony, uh, a.k.a. Amos, here, is just finishing up his stint in the Air Force and generously agreed to talk to us that both about how it is now, but also how it was when he first entered the service uh, more than 20 years ago. Uh, Amos takes us through it. So I was thinking about this, and uh, going back into 1997 was my first deployment, which is probably before some of our audience was even <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> we, I, I was in Saudi Arabia in a little, little uh, compound, and most of our communication was by USPS, you know, the grand old snail mail. Post office, uh, gotcha. Oh, my gosh. It, was, it, it would take three to four weeks for a letter to get through. A package would take even longer. Most people didn't have email at the time. Again, this is 97, so AOL was really starting to catch on and, and, and proliferate. And, but we didn't have email accounts at work, and we couldn't get to a lot of the email servers at work. And, and we didn't have Wi-Fi or anything else like that going on. There was, there was no uh, uh, computer areas that you could go to and use. And we had what was, what's called the Defense Switched Network, which is a telephone line that the Department of Defense runs called DSN. And we were limited to... to uh, <laughs> One ten-minute phone call every two weeks. And Whoa! So um, it improved a year later in '98 when I when I deployed to the same location. Everybody had email by then. Uh, we had a USO calling center, and they would give us AT and T gift cards for like the holidays, where we could call home. But it was still a, a long-distance phone call, and it cost like a, a minute, some or dollar something per minute. Um, but it got a lot a lot better, even though the DSN was still uh, limited to ten minutes every two weeks and we're still just talking about voice we're not even talking about data yet oh yeah we're just purely voice yeah this is uh this is this is really a, a hard time and from what i understand this is a lot better than what it was before i came in you know 10 years prior to me coming in the military it was mail only like if you couldn't write a letter you didn't communicate and uh there's a lot of people that use that to their advantage because they didn't really particularly like their home life or whatever <laughs> else some of them were the opposite and uh You'd have people trading your 10-minute phone calls for packs of cigarettes and things like that. It sounds archaic, but it, it happens. Wow. And um, my next deployment after that was in uh, 1999. We went to a bear base for Operation Allied Force. DSN and USPS were the only ones we had. And again, you're still limited to your two or your 10-minute your, yeah, your phone call every two weeks. 
And at that time, I had a computer that we'd brought from our shop back home and talked to the comm guys and was like, hey, can we just go ahead and get a little connection here, you know? And uh, they allowed us to, to hook that computer up so we could use email and we could surf the web a little bit and, you know, maybe um, uh, do some chat rooms, things like that. But we just had the one computer for 300 of us that were all deployed at this one location. But because of you, you're the one who brought, brought the computer. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had one, right? Yeah, I'm also the one that bought the cigarettes to con the guy. <laughs> <and Tom> to- <laughs> gotcha. Because <laughs> um, at the time, we also had just a little shop, shopette and they'd only get so many you know, supplies. So if you didn't buy it on the, on the open market there in Turkey, then you wouldn't, weren't going to get it. Um, my next deployment was in 2008. Okay, so we're jumping uh, ahead nine years or so now. Yeah. Um, Facebook and Twitter became allowed to be used on Air Force networks. And this That's was- a big jump. We go from DSN, which is phone calls and post office, and, and maybe trading some cigarettes so you can hook up a computer you brought yourself to Facebook and Twitter. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, and the, the problems with Facebook and Twitter were, especially in 2008, everything was on Facebook and Twitter. They weren't paring it down. So you, you'd have all these friends posting all these crazy things that you couldn't have on the government computer. Mm. Meanwhile, you log on just to chat, but some of this other stuff pops up and you start getting in trouble for what other people are posting their feeds. I personally never use Facebook at work. It's just, it's just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Just the, you know, some of the groups that I have that are really funny groups, but they have crude pictures, things like that. It's just not worth it. Um, and then 2010 was my next big deployment. And USO, as I mentioned before, it was a lifeline. They had an entire center built up where they had um, uh, services where you could call home. They had phone lines that you'd be able to use. You could sign up and call for a certain amount of time. They had phone cards that you could use. They had computers set up to Skype back and forth to the States. It was oh, a wow. slow connection, but it was available. Um they had this one thing because I went during the holidays and they had this one thing where I was a volunteer there. And what I would do, one of my du- duties there was to go into this booth and we had a, a library of books and we'd actually record many DVDs of, of uh, soldiers and airmen and, and sailors reading these books to their kids and oh, then wow. we'd mail it out to their kids for free. That's really cool. Um, and it, part of me, and this is getting a little sappy here, but I part, part of me knows that there are some of those people that read those and they went off into the field. Sure. And that was the last communication they had with their family that got mm-hmm. mailed off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that was a huge thing. That USO, they had, they had Xboxes and Playstations, and, and it was just a great way. You, you could hop on the Xbox, sign into your Xbox Live account, and play with your kids back home. Yeah, that's cool. It was amazing. And then my final deployment, uh, last time I went, went overseas uh, for deployment purposes, was 2014. We had Wi-Fi in the dormitories, um, which were basically just trailers but whatever it's still better than living in tents where, where it was in 97 sure. um and the uso is still a big part of that because they they not only operated a lot of the wi-fi locations they still operated the the xbox and playstation locations and the morale tent and things like that and they had they brought in shows and everything else but uh having wi-fi brought its own problems because now everybody has connected devices with yeah. location sensing and you can't have everybody turn it off it's like getting on an airplane telling everybody to turn their cell phones off Half the people don't do it. Yeah. So now, you know, you had to limit the Wi-Fi to just the living area because you couldn't take your phones to work and stuff because they didn't want people seeing how you were being tracked into work and putting your phones away and stuff like that. So it came with its own problems. But on the flip side, I could sit in the comfort of my own bunk and Skype my family or FaceTime my family back home. And it's been a huge difference in that, what, 17-year span? Mm-hmm. Ridiculously easy now. If you're out way out in, the, in, uh, in, in remote areas, totally different story, of course. 
there's no Wi-Fi set up. You still get your DSM phone calls if the connection's going through. And we go back to the satellites there. Um, but yeah, it's still it's gotten so much better, and it really depends on your location now. When when you're in a remote area, I mean, obviously, if it's a remote, it's probably not even going to have coverage uh, in a, in a lot of cases. But let's say there was coverage. Is that allowed to to have your own cell phone, or is it is it the problem of like, no, we don't want anyone here to have cell phones out in the field because again, they could be tracked. So th- again, that's one of those things where they they can tell you no, but someone's going to sneak away through. And then we mm-hmm. have so many contractors that are allowed to go off base, and you know they may live downtown. And you can sublet a, a SIM card, which is one of the things that I did in 2010. And it, it adds an extra level of confusion, but a lot of these places are, are so remote, there's no service, there's no civilian towns anywhere near it, and they won't have Wi-Fi on the base at all. So you're basically limited to just DSN, your you know, t- three-week turnaround on a letter that you write back home, and things like that. It, it's it's still, it's it's not nice in some places. Yeah, I mean, it sounds actually really lonely, at least at times. I was actually, I was kind of surprised that Twitter and Facebook, even though I know it's, if someone's being inappropriate, then you're the one who gets in trouble. But 2008 is before a lot of folks were on Twitter or Facebook, um, at least if you think of the general population. So uh, it's, uh, it surprises me that the, um, the Air Force was, was on top of that so early. I mean, I only started Twitter in 2007. Yeah. A lot of that was just pressure of people not being able to reach uh, folks back home. And it was another lifeline that's very low bandwidth when you're talking about just chatting back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, if, you, if you could break out your messenger into a separate window and close mm-hmm. out the main window, your chat would actually really be pretty quick. And it increased a lot of the connectivity for people. Um, sometimes on uh, just during base exercises, you're not allowed to, you know, break out and, and talk on your cell phone, things like that. So you can sit there at your computer and just tell people, hey, hey, babe, I'm going to be home late tonight because yeah, yeah, thing, things are going down or whatever. But um, really a lifeline, just little communication sources like that were just amazing. Wow. Quite an evolution. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Amos, for, for sharing that with us. And uh, folks, if you've got more questions, we can always uh, shuttle them Amos's way at feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thanks also to everyone who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. I will be looking for yours tomorrow when I do Daily Tech Headlines. Uh, <laughs> and facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show is another way you can be part of the conversation. And in fact, you can email us too, and then it goes in the mailbag, and sometimes we read them like this one. Yaru in Malaysia weighed in. Really good information. Uh, we kind of kicked around the idea of does the world need physical cartridges anymore when we were discussing Sony's handheld patent story yesterday. Yaru points out that for consoles and dedicated gaming platforms, retailers still play an important role in supply and marketing. And as a rule, the companies try to placate them. This is one of the many reasons why digital games have the same MSRP as much as physical ones, despite the lower cost, as to not alienate those retailers. When Microsoft announced the Xbox Monthly Games program some months back, got a lot of pushback from independent retailers because software sales are important and those retailers threaten to not support Microsoft hardware anymore. On the gamer side, Yarrow says, while I'm generally pro-digital, I'm against getting rid of physical sales entirely. We're still sort of in limbo when it comes to ownership of games. In addition to the option of being able to resale your games, we live in a world where DRM is getting tighter and tighter as the companies put more controls and restrictions in there. Physical media, despite its downside, gives you that feeling of control and ownership. Yeah, we got a few emails from people who are wanting to have uh, physical game cartridges 
uh, pulled from their cold, dead hands before they give them up. Uh, and if you are if you are someone who feels that way, you can come up with all the reasons why physical cartridges shouldn't go away. And they're great reasons. Uh, my only reaction is, and I, I'm curious, Amos, if you, you think about it this way, too, is a lot of people just don't want to deal with them anyway. You can say like, hey, cartridges aren't heavy. You can carry them around with you. But people sometimes are like, yeah, but I don't want to have to remember to put them in the bag and, and maybe I'll lose them. And, and you can say that's silly uh, as a trade-off for the benefit of cartridges. But I, I think that's the way things are going to go. Amos, what do you think? I think there will always be a market for cartridges because there will always be people that are using different systems in different locations, such as a deployment. You can take your games mm. with you without taking your, your box with you. But I go personally almost entirely digital if possible, because mostly because I have two PlayStation 4s. So if I buy it on my account, then my kids can play on one, P- on one PS4 while I'm playing upstairs as a guest on the other PS4. And we can play against each other just buying the game one time. So yeah. there's, it's, it's, it's messy. Well, thanks to Yaru for the follow-up email. And also thanks to Anthony Lemos, a.k.a. Amos, for bringing your wealth of knowledge to us all today. Where can folks keep up with the other stuff you're working on? Um, mostly you can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. And uh, follow me weekly on Ritual Misery. We, uh, we go live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and we uh, celebrate all things geek with our guests and our vast military fatherhood and geek knowledge which that's not true we just- <laughs> experience baby yeah you can claim experience for sure yeah and uh one, one more thing if you'd like a uh a, a weekly tech look with people that are not reporters or not uh uh fine people with journalism degrees like these folks here cruise on over to iqmz tech and listen to me and odok to break down the week's stories as uh, average guys that sounds great that sounds like a good time go check that out folks uh and don't forget we need nine more people a baseball team's worth of people is all we need uh, to get us to our goal of one more patron than last month. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been signing up uh, to balance out the the folks who have to leave. And, and some of the, the folks who are leaving have left messages uh, apologizing and we get it. Sometimes you, you just have to go. Uh, so if you can pick them up at a dollar a month, if you can afford that, please do. And there are but eight days left to get a holiday card illustrated by Len Peralta from us between now and December 5th. If you sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS, you'll get a holiday postcard with a special message from the DTNS team. Uh, Sign it up. Get that art in your hands. Patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday as well at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. Find out more. Tell a friend. Dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. 
Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 